friends. Welcome to episode 66 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. Good. I didn't get great sleep last night, but uh, overall the day really came around for me, and uh, I've got pretty good energy now. You know, so. last night was a night, the first night in a while that I've gotten good sleep, um, because it finally cooled down to, like, like low 60s overnight, and uh, he had the window open, the fan on, I pulled the comforter right up to my nose. Nice. Cat snuggled up with me, and... Snuggles are the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the work day was the work day from hell. So, all that was blown out the window, but we are here now! We are here doing the podcast, our online therapy session, and uh, we've got a good discussion I think going tonight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about um, this topic before. We've graced it when we've talked about uh, gods and world design, um, but we've never really sat down and got into the nitty gritty of what can happen. I mean, even mm-hmm. when we're talking about like what can happen at your table and how to handle certain situations. So, so we're talking tonight about pl- about killing characters. Yes. Not, not players. Correct. That is a completely different discussion. And as Sean was apt to, f- to point out to me, that's called homicide. <laughs> I learned something today. We all learn. We Detroit, all learn. Detroit homicide police have pl- have joined the chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I mean, the th- it's, it's something that um, I think kind of deserves its own topic all to itself, which is why we're doing this today. Um, and... You know, because it's it's kind of present in almost every single game, you know that that um, leveraging every bit of danger against that fear of death, mm-hmm. you know, and you know the 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 adventures, the high stakes that you get uh, avoiding death, you know, you wear armor, you have shields, or you know subdermal plating and cyberware, or whatever it is, sure, you know, sure, whatever is the order of the hour, all that's there to stop you from dying. Well, yeah. I mean, and there are games that don't lean heavily into death and kind of take it lightly. I mean, when we look at video games, um, which is a form of role play, definitely, without a doubt. I mean, you Uh look at things like World of Warcraft or or some of those where you're actually playing a character and in a world, they play with death very differently. I mean, we play Ark, and death is literally something that happens every 12 seconds at the beginning. <laughs> like, there's no way around it, really. Oh, I um, spawned next to a raptor. Welp. <laughs> yep. This is my and, life And uh, I guess I'll be spawning next to that one again. Hopefully he'll still be eating my corpse while I run away. Right, right, right. So, no, and so I think, I think just understanding what death means in a game and how to handle those situations mm-hmm. as well as just what it can do to the dynamic of the of the team and and of the game yeah where it's at. and how it can affect your players just as well as you know as, as it can the characters in you know in, in the game yeah um because it is kind of a kind of a bit of a momentous occasion um you know i think uh so talking about some of the g- just general concerns uh with with character deaths uh you know what before we get in here have you ever have you ever lost a character i have I've I've lost. Uh, let's see here. Let me see how far back I can go. All right. One, two. I want to say th- three characters. I've lost three characters. Oh wow. Um, notably, I've probably lost more than that, but three that I can think of. Okay, okay. Uh, early on, I lost a Robotech character. Um, I had a uh, Destroid pilot who literally got, um. <laughs> He got hit by something a little too hard, basically, mm-hmm. is what happened, and ended up dying from it, uh, and never recovered because uh, he was blown into vacuum space. Um, so that kind of sucked. Uh, That's rough, buddy. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'd lost a D&D character. Okay. Um, really long time ago. Terrible campaign, too. Uh, the good part about it, and I'll, I'll get to this, was uh, we played it off very lightly. Like, mm-hmm. death was a really light thing in that game. So I just rolled up another character and kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Some d games are like that, where they're just like, yeah. you know what, c- c- show up with another backup character, because yeah. stuff happen. might happen. Yeah. yeah, it was a very dungeon-crawly game. There was, yeah. a lot of, there was a lot of us versus the DM going on. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So it felt more like a board game than really a typical you know tabletop game. We didn't have backgrounds for our characters other than, like, five seconds of of light discussion yeah and then we were just in playing so it really wasn't that big of a or a meaningful thing um and then i did lose a character at a larp 
at a uh, vampire LARP. Oh yeah, okay, okay. I got uh, I got happening. murdered by a Bria. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean that's a way to go. <laughs> I'm gonna be dead honest with you. I don't think I've ever lost a character. Really? I don't think I've ever lost a character. Um, uh, I I I tend to play a little cautious, and even when we were, I was playing recklessly, um. Notably, I know there's there was one time we were doing another D and D dungeon crawly adventure mm-hmm. where it was just you know kick down the door sort of stuff and uh, uh, oh you know what I think I, I think I did lose a character but like it was literally like a you can't fire me I quit situation yeah because I the game the game was so bad that I was uh, they were literally like the 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 DM was like I need dice and I was like okay. What what do you need? First off, why why didn't you bring your own as the DM? Second off, like how many dice do you need? And he's like, I need all your D six. And I'm like, I have a big bag of D six here, man. And he's like, yeah. so I handed him like ten of them. He's like, more. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, ten more. He's like, I probably need more. You you sure you're not? Like, he still hasn't told me what's happened yet. I was about to say, you, like, you sure you're not been, playing Shadowrun? <laughs> there has been no narration on what is even going on. So this whole time, I'm handing him my dice. To kill my character with, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, I was like, okay, dude, it's been five minutes, and you're still over there rolling dice and muttering to yourself and and going over Kathleen your notes and stuff that, like, yeah. what what is go- what has just happened to my character? And he just kind of looks down, looks uh, at his notes, looks up back up at me, and goes, oh, "It was a razor line to shoot." What does that mean? Oh, it's like a shoot, like a like a pit trap, but it's lined with razors. Okay. And it apparently, we were going up a tower, and it apparently shooted me out the side of the tower, like 100 feet in the air. So not only did I take all the damage from that, but then the fall damage afterwards. But, like... No chance to react, at that no point, nothing. Yeah. At that point, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, dude, just give me my give me my dice back. I'm, I'm going to yeah. take off. This is... Yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> this, this is, is dumb. dumb. Yeah. Um, I think it's the only time I lost a character. Hmm. Hmm. I've retired several. Yeah, I've retired characters. I've retired characters. Probably not several, but I've retired some characters. So have you ever killed characters? Oh yeah, I've I've killed a few characters. Uh, I think I yeah and I, I like I TPK to group. Yeah, I told you about that. I think yeah. last uh, last uh, yeah. last cast. Um, but even in there, like there was a couple where like yeah, I, I definitely zeroed somebody out and killed them all. Or right? you know, I got a couple res spells out of them, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever like had to have someone re-roll the character. You know, I don't think I don't think in any of my gaming except for way early on. Did I did I kill kill a character and basically force them to create new characters? Mm-hmm. Like I I think we I I remember doing it once, vaguely once a, a long time ago for a Rift's game, where they were just they did something incredibly stupid, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well we're gonna roll through this because you guys want to, yeah yeah we we totally got this, and I'm like, I don't think you understand. The consequences what you're of doing what here. you're doing here. You're yeah. literally trying to overrun a UCAS military base with five of you. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to work out. You're, you're thinking you're going to walk in, steal something, and walk out the door. Like, through the front door. Yeah. This this isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. And it did not work out. And it them. did not work. It's a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. It did not work out. Yeah. Um. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, so where do you want to start? We've got we've got, we've got some marginal experience with this. Sure, um, sure. Uh, so, uh, 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 general concerns, effects on the game. Okay. Um. Uh. So you know when a character dies. Sure. Uh. Obviously, the story can be altered greatly by that. Um. Any plot threads that are attached to that character, you potentially lose. Possibly. Um. You know. So if it is. Uh. You know. Um. Uh, you know, Trist, Tristan, the Holy Knight's, you know, yeah. job to go and find the the Holy Avenger sword. Well, when Tristan dies, well, that's that's. I mean, nobody else really needs that Holy Sword. He's the only one who could wear, wear wield it anyway. So, because that I mean, plot thread kind of goes to the wayside. You know, I mean, there's always reasons for plot threads to to switch people. Mm-hmm. And you could you could arguably say that with with decent negotiation skills on the the DM's part. You could hook other players into that story. I, I mean, you can. Yeah, you can. But that, but that, that requires effort, though. It, you know, oh, and, I, without a doubt, everything requires a little bit of effort. But I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying is that, is that you know, inter, all those, all that, all the characters' personal plots now cease to more or less exist. Yep. Um, and, unless you go through the effort to then say, okay, well, or the, the players dive in. The holy adventure has chosen a new champion. Yeah. Know? Or the players are like, we need to see this through. Right. You right. Know? And and they might. And they might as a as a matter of like you know remembrance. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, 
so the well, and and that kind of brings us to our second uh, our second point though is you may need um uh, it, it may derail the main plot because you now need a side quest yes to either resurrect the character uh, eulogize the character in some way if mm-hmm. they you know if if your characters want to see their quest through or maybe you know um well we have to get them back to their hometown to their wife and kid maybe you know uh to lay them to rest yeah. yeah um that you know they they might have to put their their main quest on on hold to do that mm-hmm. um and it's definitely going to uh, uh impact all the surviving characters and the npcs in a direct tangible way yeah um, any attachments that person had uh, are going to feel the impacts of that character's death. Yeah. I, there was one that I thought was really kind of neat. Um, there was It was a long enough campaign that I was reading about where one of the players had basically created their own um, uh, phylactery. Oh, okay. So they had a phylactery mm-hmm. and hid it away. And the other players knew roughly where it was, like what what city it was in, which like which one of his keeps that he had, had taken. A phylactery, for those of you who mm. are not familiar with the term, yes. is a vessel, a physical vessel, in which one removes their soul and puts it in, uh, in into a the, this phylactery to hold yes. it. Which, upon your death, activates it and starts to regenerate you there. Right. So it, that you don't... It, die because your soul has not left your body you know and, and gone into the cosmos wherever you know right. wherever the cosmology is it is contained correct so as long as it is relatively safe in that position mm-hmm. and uh can reform you show up there and yep. there's rules for all of that well one of the players had done this because they had the foreseeable thought that they might die in the game at some point and this would be kind of a cool thing to have so the player dies and they had forgotten about the phylactery by this point. Like, the player had, so did the rest of the gamers. But the DM had notes on all their deaths. And one of the notes on that was that the phylactery was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So he's just like, what do you want to say with your dying breath? He's just like, what do you mean? He's just like, you just remembered something. What's that? You have a phylactery. <gasps> what do you say? You get one statement. He just says the name of the city. Mm-hmm. That it's in. And so the whole group is just like, dude, you can't die. What did he just say? Did he say Belgrin or Berglin? Oh, no. How far are those apart? Four days journey. Where are those from here? Two months ride. Oh, God. Son of a gun. Oh, God. <laughs> so they, they're like, how long is it going to be before he, ri- he he rises? Uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about necromancy or phylacteries. So he could be up tomorrow? Oh, no, no. It's going to take some time. And so they literally had to run an adventure to go back and get him <laughs> before somebody else got to him. So it was, a, it was a neat little side quest that basically he that the, the DM had set up of what was going to be happening at that place. And if it was getting sacked, if people were going to be there oh, trying to geesh. find him. It was, yeah. it was its own adventure that he just had staged ready to go. Yep. So... All right. Uh, so the effects on the players, though, and that's that's kind of uh, I think the the other side of the coin here is, um, yeah, sure we can talk about the in game implications of, yeah. of of death, but what about the players? They can get quite angry. They can get angry. They can get attached to their characters, well, and comes with in, in a lot of ways, yeah. and you know, they, they, it comes with comes with uh, with with attachment, but it also, um, role playing can be very intimate. Mm-hmm. And uh, feeling attached to your character in a way that, like, they're an extension of you. It's not at all uncommon to legitimately grieve the loss of a character. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think, um, and I think the same thing goes for other game types, like, especially, like, uh, online RPGs, mm-hmm. where people are just, like, when it's meaningful, when it you, there's a severe loss. And there are some games that have, like... Severe oh, losses. Oh man, I ugly cried through the last four hours of Mass Effect Three. See, there you go. Oh yeah, Sean was there for it. He can attest to it. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. You, uh, and like, I, I think actually back to uh, like Critical Role. Um, they've had a you know handful of character deaths on there. Yeah. Um, and w- one of them, a character didn't come back for me. I won't say who because right. it's not. I don't want to spoil anything in case anybody Spoilers. hasn't seen the second season. Um, but, uh, you know, a handful of where they have done resurrection rituals, uh, to, to get the person back. But, um, 
role-playing that and the the grief of it and stuff like that i mean not a dry eye at the table mm-hmm. i mean every single player at that table was crying yeah you know but i mean especially when you do something week in and week out with the same people you're you're building that adventure with them and when death doesn't happen and then it occurs like that's spooky when they die that's scary like that's like you you've lost something you've legitimately lost something that's tangible time mm-hmm. has been invested it's a thing yeah i mean it's it's funny to say it but anything that we see here in meat space as much as we see it in digital space is an investment we're taking time to to create a a world within our mind for it mm-hmm. and why it's there and its importance to us and the weight we put against it has meaning yeah absolutely i mean people talk all the time um uh i remember it was an interview with a with a with the the critical role cast because um a lot of them were new to role playing and new to dungeons and dragons at the at the onset of that campaign Mm -hmm. and um and so it was it was kind of cool to be able to get like that that new player fresh perspective hearing from them Mm -hmm. recounting their experiences and saying things like you know, it was it was amazing that, you know, I thought it was this just make-believe activity, but we find ourselves sitting at Taco Bell after game going, you remember when you did that thing or we did that thing? Right. You know, and the memories, because it all takes place so vividly in your imagination. Yep. It, it, it's almost like your brain remembers it like it really happened. Yeah. You know, and because of that, you get all of those real genuine emotions attached to it. But, you know, an NPC dies or one of your fellow teammates dies. That's just like yeah. in, in your mind to a certain extent. It's just like a real person has died. Well, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. Realistically, there is no. You're creating a memory. Yeah. So what's. What's the difference? I mean, there's also been studies shown that that we get attached to fictional characters as if they are real, because you know, for all a, intents and purposes, they are. It's a parasocial relationship, but we get invested in their in their lives, and when we things do. happen to them, it affects us. Correct. Uh, it's one of the big reasons why representation matters so much in media, because mm-hmm. we we identify with these characters. Yes. Know? Yes. So, so we got some existential shit off our shelves there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's deep dive it a little bit. Okay. All right. Which way you want to go? Life is cheap. Battle mechs aren't. Dear God, is that the truth? <laughs> it's one of my one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite role playing games. And that's BattleTech. Uh, Life is cheap. Battle mechs aren't. Um, basically saying that uh, uh, yeah, battle uh, mech, mech jockeys come a dime a dozen, but the the battle mechs cause millions of sea millions of sea bills, tens of millions of sea bills potentially. So mm-hmm. don't mess the mech up if you're going to be if you're going to die. Right, right. You know, don't make us hose it out. Um, but the, uh, I, I guess the, the thing is, uh, so what, what is the cost of life in your setting? Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest arguments against things like resurrection in, in games. Mm-hmm. Um, and why the cost of say like reagents for doing various resurrection rituals and stuff like that is an important factor. Mm-hmm. Um, controlling that as a storyteller, uh, within your economy is an important factor. Yeah. Um, because the the availability of resurrection essentially immediately affects the cost of death. Yes. That's all it does. It just puts a tax on death. Correct. If it's available at all. If it's available at all. I mean, all. Dragonlance did a very interesting telling of that when we were kids. And I say that when we were kids because there are people who, who <laughs> read it through their childhood and who've read it recently. Mm-hmm. It had a weight. Death had a weight in those stories. I don't remember, actually. I, I know I, I have the books, but... Resurrection was not a thing. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, it's glossed over, but it's a... Because it's a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. And... I know, but it was a D&D setting is the thing. So effectively, I, yeah. And it's... Well, not effectively. It, it was it a was, D&D setting. It was. But that's the, the source whole, book for it. Yeah. <laughs> that, there's a whole, uh, a whole world wrapped around that and that concept that in fantasy, mm-hmm. death can be just as final. And if not final, can be worse than final. That you can be thrown to another place. Oh, yeah. Sometimes worse or better than you previously were in based upon your actions. Sure. And now you're there. Your -hmm. character is there instead of where it was. Mm -hmm. And that itself has its own design to it. But I agree that, like, every world should have that set up, that realism. Especially if you're dealing with a tactical world um, where or a tactical gameplay where your players are looking... Uh, are, are being questioned of whether or not they will live or die each game. If you've got mechanics for death, 
then you need to have mechanics to understand what does that mean. Exactly. And you need to get that very clear. On the other hand, if you've got mechanics that basically like are like, you know, 7C, where it's like death only happens under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, it's it's a little different. Like it's it's not as death isn't as final because it's not really death. Yes, yeah. injury. And 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 we'll we'll get to well, we'll yeah. get to games like Seven C because uh, the the conditions under which death uh, happen is its is its whole thing. But uh, um, just the 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 idea that resurrection is something that exists, I've found um, makes characters a lot more brazen mm-hmm. if, because they think they can get away with a lot more which on one hand okay great it sets you up to do some great heroics but there's a certain threshold it really it reaches where players start to tend to be like it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. matter if i'm just stupid at this point because whatever we got a cleric right i'll be back right and i'll be back at the cheap cost of what 300 gold for a diamond in a, in a third level spell slot or not even that. I mean, you mm-hmm. deal with situations like in 5th edition right now where death isn't even something that happens as long as you have a cleric. Like, you you can go down, but before you even make your first death saving throw, they can literally throw a cantrip at you and you're at stabilized. Uh, it's a first level spell, but yes. Yeah. But yes, it's it's uh, healing word at, at 60 as foot. As a bonus action. 60 foot range at a bonus action. Just just to get you off the floor. They can fart and basically bring you back up off the ground briefly. Yes, exactly. And that's that makes it a very tactical game. But at the same time, it, it, it does. It does. But to D&D's defense, though, mm-hmm. um, healing in that game is not... Um, is not balanced in a way to outpace or even keep or even remotely keep up with damage. I agree. Um, there are monsters, especially you know at the, at the end of game. Have you ever seen the damage that a, that a, that a, even a medium level breath weapon from a dragon will do? Yeah. I mean, it is like ten. I mean, no, I have not looked at that at all. Of course, you have. <laughs> 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 no, Sarah, I don't know what you're talking about. You should give it to me in details, along with these layer rules. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's like, seven, you know, I mean, they, they can average 60 or 70 damage, mm-hmm. like, flat out. Like, and that's just moderate level stuff. Yeah. Like, challenge rating 14, you know. Yeah. Melting sort of people things. down to nothing in you, one hit. You get up into, like, Elder Dragons, and it's just like, okay, well, it's we're getting to triple digits here, you yeah. know. Um, And, yeah, sure, okay, I can get you back up to like four hit points with a, mm-hmm. with a first level spell slot as a bonus action, but you're going back down next turn. Right. You know, we're only forestalling the inevitable at this right. point, unless right. something changes in our tactics. Um, and so it's forgiving, but it doesn't allow you to just entirely cheat death. And I, and I right. think, I think I like that about that. Yeah. Um, now I want to swing the discussion entirely in the different direction with death. Okay. Um, just from the idea that each system with right. it kind of sets its own cost for death. Like we were saying, yeah. Okay. Some systems don't have resurrection. Some systems nope. have resurrection, but they have it as a price. Yep. What about paranoia? Oh, God. The game literally tells you you get six clones. That's it. Because you are expected to, to die, die that often. Right. And if you make it with your first clone to the end of a game, well, you must have done something treasonous, citizen. Report for termination. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, only cheaters would have been able to avoid that, and cheating is treason. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, you you can talk about the the, the cost of life and stuff like that, but it's really it's really per setting, it's really per game system. Um, there are some games that are very flippant with it, and there are some games that are very tight with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all depends on 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 that. But it is something you need to consider when you're running a game, and yeah. when you're setting up your encounters and stuff like that, and when you're weighing kind of that like danger and tension as a motivator for your um, or motivator or demotivator right. for your players to act in certain ways. Is it important to your game? Is death important to your game? Yeah. Is it important to your players? Mm-hmm. Or or is that something that is that shouldn't be involved because they don't want to deal with that stress? Well, exactly. That dictates the system very highly. And and that's that's I mean that that's uh, we'll we'll come back to this point you know several times I think during this discussion. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a session zero discussion to have. Oh, so much. Absolutely, a session zero discussion to have. While you're talking about the setting. And their expectations of things, if they want a globetrotting adventure or if they want to stay in the same city for the entire duration, you know, one of the questions you should ask them is, how do we feel about character death? How do we feel about the lethality of the story we're telling here? Yeah. Do you want great risk and great reward? Or do we want to play things a little safe and play a little more, maybe a little more narrative? 
Right. Maybe a little more social. Do you forgive your players, even though the system doesn't necessarily have mechanics for it? Do you set up some house rules in there yeah. because you like other aspects of it? Exactly, exactly. You know, do you say, like, even changing systems. So now you're under a new set of rules. Do you forgive some of the things that happened in the past? Mm-hmm. You know, or do you hold those punishments still legitimate because it's a different world? Well, you know, know or the it. same world, different rule system. Like, moving from... 3.5 to 5, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or even 3 to 5, the rules have changed. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. Did your world change to accommodate it? Mine did. Yours did. So. I don't I don't think it's necessary, um, by all means. Uh, I don't think you need to use in-game things to describe how things work now. They just work that way now. And I, I don't think you need, I don't think they've changed greatly enough that you need to, like, retcon your entire, you know, past before you change systems or anything like well, I'm not that. saying but, retcon everything, but... But, you know. Uh, but it is something to something to take into account. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking a little bit... Uh, uh, so, uh, Sean and I have been playing a lot of uh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, on the PlayStation 4, and we were really enjoying oh, yeah. it. And that got us on the kick of looking into Legend of the Five Rings. Mm-hmm. Because it's a role-playing system that's based around a uh, uh, sort of pseudo-Japanese... Um, they, the, the one, the one video we watched on it called it a Bushido simulator. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and, uh, it's actually shares a lot in common with your favorite seven C. It does. Uh, in fact, it may even be tied into the We're, same. We can't discuss. We, we can't, can't because nobody knows the truth. We can't. Nobody. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but it might be. So some people are saying, um, but we got looking at Legend of the Five Rings. And uh, we're watching a video on, on character creation for this, and we definitely want to look into this uh, system a little bit more in the future. Oh, yeah. Ma- maybe teaser of an upcoming system spotlight, maybe. Um, but uh, that's actually one of the like character creation questions. Mm-hmm. It's a series of questions you answer, which kind of build your character along with the answers to those questions. And one of those is, how do you think, uh, how do you want your character to die? Mm-hmm. Now, that question's in there because part of Bushido Mm-hmm. The samurai code is to essentially acknowledge that as a samurai, you are already dead. Mm-hmm. Your death is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And once you accept that, you can meet death head on. Right. Um, and you are fearless in battle then, accepting that you've already died. Right. Um, but it does get the player thinking about like, okay, death maybe is inevitable. Like we're doing character creation. We're already talking about the death of my character. How do I want that to happen not only gets me thinking about it as a player, mm-hmm. but it also sets a cue for the storyteller of, like, if it is going to happen, this is a situation you and I have already discussed where I believe it would be acceptable for this character to meet their end. Right. Right. You, you're you almost implicitly giving the storyteller permission to kill your character like that. Yeah. If I'm going to shoot you, you'll be facing me. And, and you'll be armed. You'll be armed. Yeah. Yeah. It's those kind of moments that define more about the character than... All of the history and other pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So if you're going to do it. Yeah. I, I I think it's a great idea. I, I, I've, I, I can remember, geez, um, I remember doing some studying on it. Mm-hmm. I remember doing some, some, uh, some history stuff when I was younger, um, and really liking the way that that world looked at life and death mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that balance, um, and it's so different. It's different than anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. So it, it takes a lot to get into it. So it'd be interesting to, to examine that more. Yeah, I've been buried so much in, in you know, uh, Western and pseudo-Western role-playing for so long. It'd be, it'd be nice to nice to get into some of the Eastern philosophy and yeah. uh, and, and world-building and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Really cool. So. Sip tea and enjoy a game. Yeah, ex- yeah. absolutely. Um, all right, so if you're going to do it. Sure. If you're going to kill a character, yes. we've come to this. How to kill a character. No, you know my style. I, <laughs> I still follow Seven C's rule that villains kill characters. Everyone else is just injuring the shit out of them, mm-hmm, or capturing mm-hmm. them, or doing something else. Because I feel it's. I, I, I guess I just always felt that it's cheap. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think that's that's one of one of my biggest points that I've I've, I've hammered on this one. Mm-hmm. We talked about we had a whole episode about traps mm-hmm. in of traps and puzzles and dungeons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I had a bit of a rant. I got up on a bit of a soapbox and yeah. talked about how I can't stand traps and stuff like that because yeah. they feel cheap. Very much You're so. You can like make it make a deck save. Well, why am I making a deck save? Because a pit trap just opened underneath you. Well, it's board oh. game rules at that point. Okay, now I fell onto some spikes, and that's how my story ends. Mm-hmm. I I failed one roll. 
yeah. and I'm just dead. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It's I, I always take that back to board game rules. Like mm-hmm. if you're playing in a dungeon, you're technically playing board game rules. You really are. Like yeah. you're you're not really role playing. I mean, you are to a degree. You have a role in it, but for all intents and purposes, you're playing a board game. Well, if if your entire if your entire game is a dungeon, right. I mean, you can have a dungeon crawl in a narrative game. You know, God knows we've done enough of our, our own dungeon crawls going through alien ruins in my game. But again, they're but they don't feel like classic dungeons. They feel like appropriate locations with yeah. problems. They're not filled with odd pit spike rope dart traps. Ex- exactly. Razor exactly. blades that dump you out a window. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not saying that there isn't a place for that, but that's not at a, at a, at a, a table like we have. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, point uh, to the point, though, um, D&D is filled with, it's a very highly lethal game. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you've got danger around every corner. Uh, most of the abilities that, you're, that are on your character sheet to begin with have to do with combat. Well, a good what? Uh, what do we, we do? Figure there was sixty to seventy percent of the book is ways that either you're killing someone or something's killing you. Yeah. Like there's there's very little skill, and then there's almost no social. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry. And that's and that's honestly where most of our con- most, most of our conflicts in my D and D game have mm-hmm. come from is is someone wanted to do a social thing, and we just don't have fleshed out rules for social in D and D because it's so dedicated to combat. It's so mm-hmm. based around that adventuring, combative, turn based, strategic Correct. gameplay. Correct. Then now you of course you mentioned seven C. Mm-hmm. Only villains kill characters. Yeah. It 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 takes out of the equation the basic day to day kind of fighting. So like, oh I'm fighting these brutes to get on the ship. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and some, you know, we don't succeed. Okay. Well, we didn't succeed. Does that mean we're all dead? No. It means you got knocked out or severely injured and they bagged your heads. And now you are in, you know, Dunneth jail mm-hmm. and in walks a henchman, you know, to point his finger at you and kick you in the ribs and then walk out the door and forget that you're there because you'll stay there forever. Mm hmm. And now you can enact your daring escape, Correct. and it's all big and heroic, and, right. and, and. Right, or or call in a favor, spend some reputation, whatever. And now you step out and can continue on the saga in a different direction mm-hmm. with with different pieces of the history now thrown into it where, you know, you were dead. Another one that you like to put out is Adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Adventure has a, uh, uh, a whole system in it um, for what they call dramatic editing. And your characters get to spend their their main resource, which is called inspiration, to um, cause amazing coincidences to happen on their behalf, uh, because they are dramatis personae. They are they are characters who fate kind of just says, "Okay, I'll let you fudge that," mm-hmm. um, which makes them pulp action heroes essentially in in a world that is more or less a real world. Um, one of the abilities in the game, actually, and you can you can do this on the small scale, but there is a um, a, a very powerful ability that allows you to um, expend a lot more of your inspiration points to do this, where basically unless, and, and maybe even if, someone is standing over your body putting bullet after bullet after bullet into your skull, yep. if you can come up with a clever enough story about how you avoided death... Hey, guess what? Yep, it can happen. <laughs> you get to live. Yep. And, like you, you, you cite that uh, that that scene from was it Hudson Hawk? Hudson I think Hawk, it was. the end of Hudson Hawk. It was like you know we saw you go over the cliff. Uh, yeah, airbags, uh, airbags. Uh, but but then your car burst on fire. Fire extinguisher, you know, flare, flame retardant chemicals. You know, something Here's, like that. Uh, a sprinkler system. Can you believe it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, but then you just you know, so like, okay, your character, your your car went off the cliff, but at the last second, you reached out and you you jumped out of the thing and you um used your knife to cut the the rag top off the back of the car and used it as a crude parachute and that allowed you just to softly land in the ocean you were knocked out but you were still clinging to yep. you know to one of the seat cushions which act as a flotation device for you which you know you were adrift for three days and starved and dehydrated yep. when you washed up on a desert island somewhere <laughs> and there was a tribe of natives on this desert island and they saw your your uh, there was a bit of tinfoil that was wrapped around your head from the from the crash debris and stuff like that and they yep. they 
They thought that you were a, a god, so they elevated you to their position. They nursed you back to health with fine meats and cheeses and, 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 and things like that. And then eventually you said you needed to ascend because you knew you needed to go home, but you needed an excuse to get back. And so they put you on this golden chariot, which actually turned out to be an old crashed Cessna that was within working <laughs> uh, working operation. And I flew it back to the mainland, and now here I am. Sorry I'm late. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, it, that's adventure in a nutshell and that's adventure in a nutshell we'll get there next week yep. spoiler alert yeah uh, uh 7c second edition has mechanics for that too in the sense that like if some if you fail a test um and you're basically out of the scene so you'll come into the next scene but you have to explain what happened so for instance like if everybody's jumping building to building and uh you know they you know one of the consequences you know you, you have to make it to the jump to the building but one of the consequences is you take damage you know going across from you know bullets being sprayed oh, yeah, up yeah, at yeah, you yeah. you know or uh or you lose something along the way of value mm-hmm. and they're like well i'm not gonna lose value and i don't want to take damage well you're not gonna make the success okay mm-hmm. and it's like so everybody else is jumping across. When they look back, you didn't make it. And they look mm-hmm. down on the, the street below and I'm not there. Okay, we're going to keep going. Yep. So the next scene, literally, like, they're 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 walking into a pub and there you are. Okay, explain how. Covered in so I'm, I'm bottle of rum. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting amongst four other city guards in half city guard clothing with lipstick covering my face. <laughs> You see, when I jumped, I actually missed the t- the roof and landed three windows down, tumbling into a brothel. <laughs> now, I actually hit two thieves that were in there stealing their stuff. When they all came crashing to the door and saw me stealing it, they assumed I was one of the guards who was helping take care of those thieves, so I was praised mightily. In fact, I knew three other girls, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> they were happy to see me back. <laughs> so, it's it's stuff like that. That, that you can easily roll in. And I mm-hmm. think that adds a, a lot of fun narrative and flexibility to those stories. Um, I think another another thing, too, I mean, like, most, most games in general um, have some sort of a, like, an HP mechanic or a stress track of some sort that, that tallies up the amount. To, like, uh, uh, 7C has uh, flesh wounds and dramatic wounds and stuff yes. like that. Or the um, death spiral in the new one, yeah. But essentially, it has some sort of mechanic of saying, okay, you've 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 taken this much damage or inconvenience or, or whatever, right. this much punishment, um, at which point after which we need to start discussing the loss of your character because it's just too much for them to take. Um, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it kind of gives you a, the, the, the ticking clock um, to see when that sort of thing is coming up. Um, and it also gets you to, you know, some, some, some time to start thinking about what you want to do when, you know, if, and when that does happen. Yeah. Um, I liked, uh, a lot of what, uh, like Dungeon World does. Um, Dungeon World discusses, uh, success with consequences. I've always liked, when I saw that in Dungeon World, it, mm-hmm. Uh, it really peaked in me. I was like, this is neat. I want right. to explore this and see how this can be used better. Like, okay, the ogre is going to try to hit you. You need to roll to block this. Right. And if you fail, like, okay, um, he could do some damage to you or you can lose something. There's always consequences. Right. Um, so, yeah, you raise your axe just in time, but he splits the haft in two. So now right. you're weaponless. Exactly. Now what do you do? You know? Exactly. And, and for that, you you can negotiate that. And I think uh, mm-hmm. another one that does that really well is yeah, mouse guard. You, you put the choice in the player's hands. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, so, so how, how are you inconvenienced by this? How are you set back? Right. You know? And then the severity of that setback, right. Weighted against what the situation is. So, I mean, you know, de- death, death and lethality doesn't always have to be a thing. You know, you got, you got plenty of options to work around it. Um, but honestly though, I think making death seem worth it. Like, Getting to the point where where the death of the character becomes inevitable, but 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 doesn't feel cheap. Um, nobody you know nobody wants to feel cheap. You want them to feel like they died with their boots on. Right. Um, they want to go out fighting, a- unless you're playing paranoia, of course. At truth. Which point, truth. Report for termination, truth. citizen. Right. 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 Um, because cheap, cheap deaths in that game is the only types of death there are, and it's just funny. And it's just but, funny. But you know that going into it. Exactly. You're exactly. playing the game for that reason. Um, so, but yeah, I think like most of the time players want to, like I said, want, they want to die with their boots on. They want to, especially like a lot of our, a lot of our media, um, our movies, our TV shows and such mm-hmm. like that. They are all, uh, most of the character deaths in those are heroic. 
Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Or meaningful. I mean, there's there's some... It depends on the story you're, you're watching, obviously. There's there's definitely their fair share of cheap deaths or off-screen deaths, uh, you know, fridging of characters and such like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, I think that the deaths that you look at and you go, yeah, you know, that was the way that character should have gone out. Those are the heroic ones, you know? Yeah. The ones where they, they died fighting or they died taking out the bad guy with them mm-hmm. or they died for something they believed in. Right. You know? The professional. Um, Exactly. Ex- yeah. <laughs> this is from Matilda. Exactly. Oh, what a great line. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and line. that's, but again, you remember those deaths mm-hmm. for both of them. <laughs> yes. You know, those kinds of things, you know, uh, it's, and that's, that's what you, you want for not only your players, but also for the things that are important to them. If there's a villain or a henchman mm-hmm. that they've been working at for a long time, don't, don't make it cheap. Yeah. Don't make it easy. Make make it meaningful. If if the henchman needs to survive it, have them survive it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You're doing that with the players anyways. Why not do the same thing for them? Yeah, pretty much. You know, give them a giant scar, you know, or something when they come back around. A scar and a grudge. Exactly. Because they the other to hand, spend three months nursing themselves back to hell, yeah. you know. On the other hand, if that person was a complete and utter jerk, you know, and, and ruined with them, you know, when the player decides that they're not listening and kicks them into a giant fan blade mm-hmm. on a spaceship, you know. <laughs> yeah. That sometimes is exactly what they need. <laughs> sometimes that's what they need, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I would say, if you know, if you are going to do it, um, and it does come down to it, you know, first off, make make sure it's worth it. But also, I think, you know, let the character have their moment, I think is another good thing. Um. The uh, the one time I think that I've seen Matt Mercer kill a character in uh, uh, in Critical Role again I won't say who right um but the question was what would you like your character's last words to be how do how do you react in this situation you know um and for like for those of you in D and D and I've I've given this a lot of thought too because I run a D and D game um nothing says that zero hit points is unconscious necessarily i mean no. i think they use the word but like incapacitated i think is a sure like there there's heavily incapacitated and functionally unconscious but mm-hmm. you're still able to function i think you see that a lot like in um in movies where somebody's mortally wounded mm-hmm. they're not able to really functionally move but they're they're lying on the ground they might be gasping their eyes are open Inigo Montoya you might see them try to like get to their feet but like they just can't get the strength under their arm let alone their legs underneath yep. them you know uh and you have that moment where you know the villain looks at them and you know and, mm-hmm. and says you know something dramatic and then polishes them off with a coup de gras right you know give your characters that style moment rob roy uh you lost me there uh, dueling sequence at the end of the movie there the two of them are finally dueling okay and he literally is what's what's the what's the setup here uh the setup is is the two care it's the the, the antagonist and the protagonist are fighting for the end okay. um there's a lot that's built up to what's, this moment. what's the setting is this a western uh... oh i'm sorry uh uh england um and ireland and scotland okay gotcha. uh, uh i want to say geez now my time periods are going to be totally off on this one 1800s sure okay okay 1700s? Okay, so we're dueling with swords, swords. in an English uh, setting. Claymore versus a rapier, in fact. Gotcha, okay. Um, and he is, the rapier is literally chewing this Claymore apart. Um, oh, wow. Up, up until, like, it gets near the end and he gets a couple good cuts on him, uh, but he goes to stab him and he actually grabs the blade of, like, it's clear that the the one guy is, is probably bested, and he grabs the, the blade of the uh, rapier while it's piercing him, mm-hmm. and literally is fighting, like, the guy is probably inches from death and stands up and ends up splitting the guy in half with the claymore oh wow and i mean that's a coup de gras yeah but i mean that's what a claymore can do but that's what a claymore can do and it's got and all it, that weight behind it and, and that's the feeling is is that it's it's the impact of that dual building and building and building to a point through the whole story that you get that moment mm-hmm. and it's it's impactful yeah. It's it's meaningful. And this, I think, again, is why, you know, I think it's important, um, like we mentioned earlier, to have those discussions ahead of time of, like, how do you see your character dying? Mm-hmm. Because this this at least sets it up for you. So if you do run into a situation where you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I, should sh- if I could kill this character or not, you've already discussed it. And yeah. if that character wants to die in a glorious battle, do and it. you are in a glorious battle, yep. here you are. Here you go. Now's the time. Strip yep. Larian's hot, you know? Do you want to hit a question before we 
kind of close things up? Or? Uh, well, I think we gotta we should we should talk a little bit about the player implications, though. Oh yes. Um, we we only have a couple questions, uh, so I kind of want to drive this one as, as far sure, as I can sure. Um, so when when you get into the player implications of things, so we're we're talking right. we're stepping entirely away from the narrative of things. Okay. okay, so we're just talking about dealing with the players at the table when this sort of event happens. Is everyone prepared? So, first off, if if you're too cautious about killing your characters, mm-hmm. if you don't properly follow through with enough danger to at least dangle the threat of death in front of them, mm-hmm. you run the risk that certain players, and certain certain players are okay with this, certain mm-hmm. players will, will, will not change their how they act whatsoever, they'll always act like danger is present, mm-hmm. but you will have certain characters that will start metagaming it. Yeah. Okay. And by that I mean they will see your restraint as a DM and as a player think to themselves, the DM isn't going to actually kill us. Right. He's too chicken shit. He's not going to kill us. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be careful anymore. Right. Because it doesn't matter what we do. Right. We're not going to die. Sure. You know. Um. I mean, you definitely want to avoid killing a character to teach them a lesson. Mm. I I don't agree with that. Because that's just spiteful. Uh, you you don't agree that you shouldn't kill a character to teach them a lesson? Oh no, I I agree that you shouldn't just teach lessons. Oh, okay, that way. Okay, I misunderstood that's, that's your silly. Your that's meaning. just straight up silly. Yeah, yeah, but that that's that's punitive that's and that's petty and that's petty. Yeah. Um. So, but they're a better you, DM than that. You do want to just make sure that there's just enough danger there to keep them guessing. Mm-hmm. Um. So if you do it, mm-hmm. if you kill a character. Um, we talked a little bit earlier, uh, grieving, grieving is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It is an emotional, stressful moment. Yep. Um, and it can also be very triggering. Like oh, in, God, in, yeah. in the legitimate psychological sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but I want to me, I want you, I want everybody to understand we really mean honest to goodness triggering of yeah. like trauma. Sure. Um, you know, uh, for, for character death. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why you may want to have these discussions ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that everybody's okay with it. I mean, there's plenty of ways you can sideline a character, that you can um, inconvenience a character. We talked about, you know, uh, having consequences like they lose some of their belongings or they're out of play for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they may lose a contact or a valued item or something like that. Um, so you don't have to have death in your game if everybody's not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But just be aware that it is a big, big event for some people. Yeah, and I and I also say that if you've got other characters that you develop into the story, NPCs that they're around, uh, mm-hmm. guides, um, kings, lords, ships, things, things like that, sometimes having them die in a meaningful way and it just not getting resurrected can mean a lot. Mm-hmm. I know in my game, my D&D game, I've killed a couple people that have nothing to do with your players. Oh, yeah. And they have meaning. Those deaths have shown you what the world is like. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you came across the body of someone you knew. Yeah. Who had been gutted alone yeah. in the desert. Uh, my character took that very personally for a lot of reasons. Yep. So. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, absolutely. And that... And that that's a great way to remind your players that lethality is a thing, mm-hmm. is a factor, but you don't have to directly affect the, like, directly affect the group. You, it, mm-hmm. it, it indirectly affected us. It does. Very, very powerfully. Yeah. But none of us died. Correct. You know, you don't have to kill a, a, a PC to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely uh, good not to only take care during the scene um, in which a character dies. But mm-hmm. make sure that there's emotional aftercare after the scene. Oh, God, yeah. Um, always aftercare. Uh, so always you want to check in with the player. Let them share their thoughts. Let them talk about how their character died, how they feel about that. Listen to them. You know, let them let them talk through it. And check back with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it can be, like I said, a, a very emotional thing. We get very attached to these people. Our brains start acknowledging that these people are in some way real. Yeah. And it can affect us very much like that. Yep. Um, if a player isn't dealing well with their character's death, uh, or it was, or possibly that it was found that it was unfairly ruled, like you looked it up in the care in, in in the player's handbook, and you find out that oh crap, that spell in no way had enough range to reach you. 
to kill you in the first place or something like that. Just as an example, you know, we, we, we all make mistakes. You know, I've, I've made some pretty big mistakes while storytelling. Usually you just kind of roll with it and you move on. But if the consequence of that mistake was the death of a character, yeah, you know, see if there's a way to maybe roll that from a death into a, into an out of action. Right. You know, we discussed a lot of those out of actions that you can do, mm-hmm. you know, where they just show up later, maybe wounded, maybe slightly inconvenienced, but you can probably safely bring them back and not have the story be too interrupted. Yep. yep. Very true. Um, the golden rules, I think, the the big, you know, summary at the end of this is we are all here to have fun. Yes. And have tell fun. interesting stories. Yes. It's not losing to retcon a death. No. It shouldn't be done lightly, but don't be afraid to do it if the happiness and enjoyment of everyone is at stake. Yes. I agree. You know, if someone is just utterly broken up and can't accept the loss of their character, find Figure it out. Back. Figure, Figure it out. out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Make it better. Also, don't, you know, if you're going to do it, don't do it lightly. Stories end when people die. Yes. There's plenty of stories you can tell where people have survived and moved on. Yep. I agree. Okay. Questions? Let's hit them. All right. So Overwatch asks, uh, what's a standout death scene that comes to mind from a book, movie, or show? Would that translate over to the tabletop? Why or why not? Well, I, I brought up Rob Roy. 100% I would agree uh-huh. that could translate, without a doubt, either yeah. into 7th C or even D&D. Mm-hmm. I could see that be a dual fight that happens and turns, without a doubt. Like, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Um, you brought up The Professional, which is one of my favorite. I, I think that could definitely happen. I, I could see that happening in Shadowrun, uh-huh. actually. Uh, very clean. Oh, absolutely. You know. Um, actually, uh, I think in the second second season of Critical Role, they did something very similar with a uh, – uh, they had a necklace of fireballs. Uh, the, the, the beads on the necklace were enchanted with fireball spells, mm-hmm. and they, they did something very similar where nice. it was just, okay, if I'm going, yep. <laughs> you're going with me. Yep. Um, there's been a few others though, but I mean, those are the ones that kind of stick out in my mind as, as meaningful fight sequence. I think another one that I don't really think of as a death sequence, but clearly was uh-huh. the end of the 13th warrior. Bolvi dying and sitting on the throne. Oh yeah. You don't think of it as a death sequence because mm-hmm. it finishes that scene and then he sits down mm-hmm. and that's it. He's dead. Yeah. Like as, as a D and D party. Which is what that effectively was. You get to watch that moment play out. Yeah, there's a similar one um, in uh, the the Brothers Bloom. Okay. Um, and it's uh, I think it's Adrian Brody and um, who plays who plays uh, Bruce Banner. Uh, I know you're thinking of anyways. Keep going. Uh, but anyways, uh, so him um, Ruffalo? And, and Ruffalo, yeah, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, uh, and uh, Rachel Weiss. Uh, they're con artists. And, okay. Uh, uh, Something goes something goes wrong, something goes sideways, and uh, I want to say it's Ruffalo's character takes a bullet, um, and he hides it from his brother, who's played by, or, or, uh, not Orlando Bloom, um, Adrian Brody. Okay. Uh, and he hides it from him, and basically mm-hmm. says, like, you know what, this is this is our last big score, why don't, why don't you and her just go and live your life and be happy and stuff like that, just just leave me here, I'll be, I'll be fine. He's like, really? You, you okay? Yeah. And... They walk out on him and he just sits down in his chair and just watches them walk out. And at that point, as the viewer, you don't know what happened. And as Adrian Brody's kind of getting into the car and they're driving off, he looks down and realizes he has blood all over his hand from hugging his brother. Who's dying. And that's that's how you find out that that death scene happened. And I yeah. thought that that might be that might be beautiful. Like if you do have, you know, one of those moments where, you know, your character is taking lethal damage, but maybe not in such a violent way that it's like an immediate, mm-hmm. you know, coup de gras style death. Right. To go out maybe like that. Poisons or something like that. Yeah. Or, or, or your get... chances to say goodbye, you know. Or red. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yep. What, what, a, what a way to walk out of your own death sequence. Mm-hmm. And and the the other part of that was setting it up because he had to die and there was only one person who was going to kill him fast and that was one of his friends. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the the last one I can think of um, is actually from. Uh, it's it's technically not a death scene, um, and it's a bit of a Wheel of Time spoiler. Uh, but from from Wheel of Time, um, the, the character is presumed dead until he shows back up. 
Uh, so I, I apologize if anybody is uh, spoiled by this by, by, by Wheel of Time, but uh, Lan uh, Mandragoran, um, who is a, a warder, he's a, essentially like a samurai, a, you know, a warrior character of that sort. Um, and he's a very beloved character. He's through the entire, the entire series. He's there and, uh, he's a sword master. So he's very much in that sort of samurai style. Um, a lot of the sword play is very Asian styled. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. there's a, a move that they talk about, uh, occasionally through this, through the story called sheathing the blade. Okay. Which is kind of what you were talking about in Rob Roy, where yeah. you step into the person's blow uh-huh. and you, you take the stab so that their sword is tied up. Right. And you can just cut them down. Right. And uh, he's fighting a big, 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 big bad guy at the end of the, the, the like, the final battle. And uh, he sheathes the sword on him. And you're like, no! Because it was always described as, like, if you do this, like, you're dead, you're dead, but you're taking your opponent with you. you right. Know? The only time you do that is if you consigned yourself to death. Right. And you watch him sheath the blade, and you're like, Ugh! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... It's it's Chekhov's gun. Yeah, and, it had to happen. And and then he shows up like three chapters later, nursing this wound in his side. Jerk almost got me. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that, and that's the other thing is, is that like in red, like, uh-huh. she could have shot me here, but she shot, shot me, me here. here. He points to his heart. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. She, she shot me in the chest because you know if she, she sh- if she shot, shot me in the head, head she'd have killed me. me. But instead, she shot me here because she loves me and she wanted me to survive the wound. Yeah, you know exactly. But it still looked lethal. So that th- things like that, mm-hmm. like uh, that, I could see that easily written into like an adventure game where like oh, the yeah. villain does that, you know, has a sniper shot come through uh-huh. and it's supposed to kill you and it like, you know, knocks you out of the window and into the water and you're oh, like, yeah. oh, great, great. You know, well, it happened and like shows the scar. He's like, we've been dating for three weeks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I love the way she curls her toes just uh, before she squeezes the trigger. <laughs> she yeah, I love that love sequence. Mm-hmm. All right, Knox asks, uh, if you game often with the same people, uh, would it be weird to have an actual memorial piece for players to commemorate the characters they've lost over various campaigns? Something like a graveyard or a memorial in home. I actually want to do this in my basement, but not necessarily for memorials of characters who have died, but for all of the characters who've been in my games, mm. you know, who have been retired and things like that. Like, I want to put little artifacts all over the place in my basement. Yeah. Like, my gaming space will be surrounded by artifacts yeah. of my stories. I was going to say, and, um, is is it weird? Uh, I mean, I don't think we, so. We, we have a we have a talk show about telling other adults how to play make believe better. Yeah. So no, I don't think it's weird. No, I don't think it's I don't weird. Think it's weird at all. I, I think memorializing <laughs> things is something we we do without realizing it. Yeah. I mean, do you keep your teddy bear? Is that weird? Because, you know, you keep it in the closet because it was the one your grandmother gave you and she's no longer around and you're remembering that? Yeah, look, look, I mean, we, we talked a lot during this during this this episode about how we get attached to these characters. Yeah. And it's because we're, we're sharing experiences with them. We're spending time with them. Yeah, we're We're watching them grow. We're mm-hmm. watching them have adventures. Yep. We're getting invested in just the same way that you would with a TV character, with a movie character, probably even more so. I would say more because so. Because you're experiencing it firsthand. Yes, in your own in your own mind at your yes. at your table with your friends. Yes. Um. So there's a camaraderie aspect to it, and there's a personalization of it because it's a first person experience. So, even more so than you know, I, I I've seen people you know who have their little their little hobby setups or over on their shelves. I'm looking right over Rob's shoulder right now, and he's got Funko Pops up there. Mm-hmm. He's got um some uh uh. Robotech uh, uh, Max up mm-hmm. there. He's got you know a handful of other little little you know trinkets and tchotchkes and whatnot, all to commemorate his fandom and his enjoyment of these characters. And yeah. we think nothing strange about that. No. So I don't think anything strange about getting good, you know memorializing characters from your role playing games. No, no I, I making shadow I boxes are really great. I saw someone doing those for people when uh, when they had like a, a moment in a game. They could ha- this artist was willing to do a shadow box of them for it. So um, I, yeah, I don't think it's weird at all. Yeah, I think we could definitely do it now. Next week, next week you're doing uh, a game system spotlight for adventure. Adventure Tales of the Aeon Society. So, uh, if you are curious about uh, the first game chronologically in the Aeon verse. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about that by White Wolf Games, and we're going to do a deep dive into the system. You can find us on Twitter at, at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, or our every night uh, every Wednesday night at 7 on MixLR which you're listening to us live if you are if you're not please come join us uh, you can also find our link on uh, our Twitter to our Discord we'd love to have you join the conversations or you can find our website at storyteller-conclave.blueberry b-l-u-b-r-r-y dot net want to give a uh, big shout out to our Patreon members uh, for supporting our show especially Knox in the Box Sam and the Arcane Asylum we really appreciate you contributing you. Keep, you guys, keep us going on this um, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find him at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine. We'd like to thank our family and our friends. Vicky, Sean, thank you for helping us do this each time. Those of you who are listening to us, everyone who plays our games with us, and those who have been left behind, both characters and players. We want you you to have a wonderful evening and a blessed, blessed life. We love you. We love you so much. Good night. Good night.